Hey there. Do you ever find yourself struggling to ask for the help you need? Yeah, me too. In this week's episode of Let's Make Work Human, May and I tackle what can get in the way of organizations, teams, and leaders asking for the help they need. We've been on that journey personally and as an organization, and we also hear it from clients who hire us for work. So let's dig into what can get in the way and why it's so important that we get external help, especially when we're really stuck. In a world where workplaces are sometimes toxic for people and humanity has been squeezed out by outdated rules, how do leaders who care create enlivened workplace cultures? This show has the answers. On Let's Make Work Human, we discuss how organizations can meet their mission and make a profit without squeezing the life out of people. The path to how lies in unbreakable connections, clear purpose, and real partnerships that debunk and demolish old mindsets about the world of work. I'm Mo Carrick, and I'm a beekeeper, mother of adults, CEO, culture expert, award-winning entrepreneur, and best-selling author, and I'm joined on this show by my colleague and friend, awesome coach, mother of a toddler, award-winning creative DEI facilitator, and millennial, May Rats. Together, we tackle teams that gossip, leaders who are bad for people, partnering while working, belonging, and so much more with an irreverent and honest look at what it takes to make every workplace fit for the human beings who work there. We're on a mission to stop the suck and restore humanity to work. This show will warm your heart, challenge your thinking, and leave you laughing out loud. Hi. Hi, May. You look like you're in a little ray of sunshine coming behind you in your backdrop there. Oh, I know. The ever-changing backdrops. I love it. Zoom time. (laughs) All right, Ma. We're going to talk a a little bit of a touchy subject, actually, for a firm that used to be based around consulting. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. The question today is, why should any business hire outside help? That includes coaching. That includes consulting. That includes, uh, well, yeah, any anybody, any outside help. Why and, should anybody do it? And should I put a disclaimer on this? Because this is how I've been making my living and supporting families that work for me for, for Why should anyone years? hire us? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We're talking in general. We're talking no. in general because we do that because we hire outside help. We do. So we why do. would we do that? It's a really good question. Why should we do it? And I also think it's a powerful question in terms of what we're seeing right now for every organization in the land who is facing, you know, anywhere from mild to extreme uh, reframing of their entire workplace and workforce, how they do it, where they do it, why they do it is under so much disruption in the great reframe this post COVID period. So I think it's a really good time to to ask the question of like, you know, in what about organizations that are trying to be successful today might compel them to go and get outside help? And why do we do it? Because as you said, we do do it, although we haven't always done it. So um, what I what I I think the reason you're saying that might be touchy, and when we first talked about this question, the image that went to my mind was I remember early in my career, 
I was working for a high tech company in the Seattle area, and they hired Anderson Consulting at the time, which was a spinoff of Arthur Anderson. And one of the colleagues that I went to work with, with was like, well, basically, they're going to bring the buses and load them up behind headquarters and all the suits are going to get out and they're going to come tell us how to do everything. And it's going to be very, very expensive. Like that's, that was, you know, that's what their impression was. Oh and I remember, God. I know. And I remember thinking, what, what the heck? And then sure enough, you know, they had a lot of consultants that came in and worked with us for, I'm sure a premium dollar for a long, long period of time. And I think that's one of the things, one of the images that comes to mind when people think about hiring an external support or partner for their firm is like, they're going to come take over the firm and they're going to be very, very expensive. You yeah. Know? I heard that. One somebody who knows that I do this work said that their company doesn't hire consultants, they just don't mm. because consultants sell snake oil. Whoa. And I think my face just <laughs> went like dead inside. You didn't teach them by going do 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 with your little <laughs> I was I was new to this kind of situation and didn't know how to react, so I just it went invisible. Well, okay, know. so maybe we should start there with like what are what is the bad reputation for hiring external help? Because the totally. other one that I hear sometimes like, well, all you people do is you only ask questions. <laughs> like you don't actually have any answers. You just you just come in and ask us questions. Well, and what's wrong with that? Well, I guess because people are expecting like helping hands, they want people to do something, which, you know, we do that too, but there are a lot of barriers to bringing in external help. So maybe we should... the feminine masculine leadership episode to talk about being solution only oriented. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. So there's a lot of barriers. Yes. There's a lot of yeah. barriers. And I can, and, and so before we leave barriers, which maybe we'll circle back around because the question you're asking is why should anyone ask for help? And I can yeah. tell you that like, if I center on my own experience as a business owner, I can tell you that bringing an outside help for me as a small business has been both transformative to our business, but also freakishly frightening. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like so vulnerable it's so vulnerable to bring somebody in to look at your business and there's been times in in our 21 years that i have faced the opportunity of bringing in an external and basically been like um no thank you because you know, of your own because of your own thing my own thing or the story i told myself about what the business could afford i think that was a lot of it like you know i don't mm. I, i'm barely blank you know fill in your situation i can't afford to invest in outside support even if i think i really need it that that was one meta message for myself another meta message that was really strong for me especially in the early days may like before you even joined the firm was like i there must be something wrong with me if i need help like i'm the ceo of this company i founded it it's all my intellectual capital like if i can't figure it out then there must be something wrong with me you know, mm -hmm. and I think that that's another reputational ding that sometimes comes um, in the mindset of the person who might benefit from outside help, whether it's consulting, co coaching, training, or whatever, where they're thinking, they just are thinking as I was, like, I have to just keep at this problem because it's mine to solve. And I'm going to just like thrash my head up against the wall until I do, I, I, until I do. And I, I can relate. I've done that. And my head has gotten bloodied. You know? Sounds terrible. Not this whole fun. thing sounds really terrible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the lesson I'm learning right this minute is that it's very difficult to hire outside help 
and it's very difficult to not hire outside <laughs> help. So, okay, so let's start with why should you? Yes, well, this is the story we've been telling clients, you know, for a long time. Um, and so for me, it's, there's multiple answers about why you should call outside help. But again, like full disclosure, I'm biased because I am a consultant and a coach. We sell consulting, coaching, and training as well as peer facilitated learning. And so we have, you know, notably an inside agenda around wanting people to understand that there can be value for getting help. And I also have seen the value in my own firm. So I'm going to start with my own, like my own experience for why. And that is that people come into your business from the outside and they see things you just don't see, you know, they just see things you don't see. And um, I can remember because, you know, we've invested in, I've, in, I've personally invested in coaching for, for many, many years. And I've also, we have invested as a firm in a few different types of consulting from like being a pair of hands for project management tools to learning about how to evolve our marketing systems, as well as for me in particular, like executive coaching to be a better coach. But one of the big ahas for me came about, well, it was actually right before COVID when I made the decision, something I'd never done before, which was to join an executive mastermind mm -hmm. for a year. I had had, I had hired coaches for maybe three or four sessions in the past. Um, I certainly provided executive coaching for many people, but I had never ponied up to what I saw as a much more significant investment for myself um, to work with a coach and a group of other women like me, women entrepreneurs for a full year. And it, I remember it was very scary. It was expensive. It was, I think, maybe $30,000 price point for the 12 months. And I was, I just didn't know whether that was going to be good, but I did it because I felt like I was, the business was at a point where I could do no more with just my own thinking and the thinking of you all, my team. I was like, we are stuck. We're, at, we're stuck at a revenue threshold. We're stuck at a way of operating. We're stuck with our products and what we're selling. And also I was feeling very, very tired of the way I was running the business. And so I think one of the reasons to hire a consultant is when you're really stuck and you, mm -hmm. you can't see it any other way. And so for me, joining that mastermind opened up so many things to, to get both the coach, but also to have the peers who were in the mastermind with me look at my business, look at my team, look at me and give me some very neutral feedback about where I was kicking it and where I was <laughs> sucking it. One thing I'm really struck with in that story, one is that you joined that mastermind before the world shut down. Yeah, like just before. It started so it in like January. Perfect. Yeah, right. Because you were like, hello, everything's cool. And then 40 minutes later, you were like, hello, I know. what the heck? <laughs> I know one of my last business trips was to my mastermind retreat in January before or February before COVID hit. And I mean, yeah, on the one hand, it was like perfect timing. On the other hand, it was terrible timing because I <laughs> was worried about money. You know, our business shut down in March. I was like, what the heck? I just spent all this money on this coaching and now we don't have enough business. Like it definitely was hard yeah. to stay out of my scarcity mindset, but I have no regrets about that decision. None, not one. And it ended up being kind of perfect for that year because of what that year was like. Yes. Um, from my memory. And then the other thing that I'm struck with is that sometimes being an entrepreneur and being a small business owner, small to mid-sized is really lonely. 
Yeah. Like for you sure. and I are friends and you and I are colleagues and you and I cannot have the same conversations that you and your mastermind can have just yeah. because of like who we are in this business. And it sucks that you have to be alone to make those very large decisions. Mm. And so many of the people that you met in your mastermind are in similar positions. Either they don't have a team or they have a team like yours. That's like fast moving, fast paced, but also like constantly looking for direction because we're sailing 16 boats at one time yeah, with one captain, you know? Right. Well, so I, yeah, it's yeah. hard. It is hard. And also you raise a really good point, which I think is certainly for executive coaching. It's one of the main reasons why someone would turn, but not even doesn't have to be called executive coaching, but any kind of leadership coaching, I think is, is partly born out of that aloneness because there are things that I deal with as the CEO of our company that not only can I not share with you all my team, because you also may not have visibility into it, but there, it also would freak you out if I shared something. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah. or, right. I mean, for me to dig in with, well, what's my succession plan? Or, you know, what am I going to do about this, you know, profitability issue? Those kinds of things could really be anxiety producing for you, my staff, because you're also depending on the firm for success. And, and then you're in a I'm putting you in a peer role when really you are not the owners of the business. You don't carry the benefits of that, but you also don't carry the risk of that. And I should, yeah. it's not right for me to burden my personnel with that risk because that's what you sign on for, I think, when you're a CEO. And so I love yeah. that was a big aha for me to be in a peer group with other CEOs who were carrying the same risk, who could tell it like it is and hear what I was talking about without having, without connecting to their own anxiety. And that's, I think that's the argument that I would make for um, joining a cohort in general. Yeah. Um, because I think that's the same for, you know, middle managers. It's the same for creatives. It's the same for CEOs. It's the same for DEI professionals. Being in a group of yeah. your peers that is that aren't in your workplace right. can be so helpful. You're not alone. And you can have conversations that you can't have at work, which I think okay. are really totally helpful. Yeah. You, there's just a side note that there. Yeah, there's some stuff that you shouldn't share with us. It's like it's like the parents coming home and saying that like we're gonna lose the house tomorrow. Like you can't say that to the kids. Like <laughs> just just don't say that. Well, right. It's not fair. You know, yeah. it's not yeah. fair. And, and almost the kids don't know what to do. <laughs> well, no, so. they don't know what to do. And it, and it's also like I just think it's not it's not appropriate. It's like there's a boundary there, you know. Yeah. Um, but I'm also struck with how. I mean, we're talking a little bit about, for example, like why should a CEO or a business owner pursue outside help such as an executive coach or a mastermind or peer group? Um, I also think, though, that there's this question of like when should employees or leaders at any level get outside help? And I was thinking about some of the learning that you've done yourself and we've seen Cameron and Jessica as well join different kinds of programs outside of Momentum that have way up leveled the skill. And I was struck in particular when you did recently, you did a DEI program to work on your facilitation skills. And you came back like on fire with some things that really have and will continue to help our firm elevate our own work. So say more about that. Like what, what was it like for you as an employee to be able to go outside of the firm and get some exposure? Uh, well, my, my, one of my struggles about, I don't know if even the right term is imposter syndrome. Maybe it's just like being good enough. <laughs> like the skills I brought in to this, to this company are not going to continue being good enough for my tenure at this company. 
And I think I was feeling a little anxiety of how to level up without getting more hours in my day. So when offered an opportunity to do that, of course, I'm going to leap on it. Right. And I ended up in there with way better questions because I can ask more pointed questions based off of my role inside of the company mm-hmm. to mine the situation that I'm in. Yeah. You know, to, to mine that like that opportunity for the things that I'm actually looking for, which yeah. was much different than my getting my bachelor's degree, you know, where I was just like a little sponge soaking it in. I feel like going into those extracurriculars, it was like, okay, I'm here for a reason. And I'm here to look for these certain things and ask these certain questions. I was a much better student mm-hmm. and can see much clearer how to use them yeah. in, you know, in these ways. And especially with DEI and mm-hmm. DEIJ, it's like the world, that world is ever moving and fluxing right now. And um, it felt like a large responsibility to like go in there and come back to momentum with a product that we are going to actually be helpful with, you know, I had like a mission and I was so helpful. It also was so helpful for my own self-confidence to come back in and not just have to hope I had the skills, you know, like to be actually educated around the things that I know I need to have was so relaxing almost Mm. because I'm like, whew, I know I can, I'm not supposed to know everything, but I can go and find the things I need to have. Um, yeah. And the community around it was so helpful. Mm. There's only so many meetings you and I can have. Like right. we are, we're a very cute community, but we are not a, a large one. <laughs> no, and we have it's a not, bigger team in our, in our team, yeah, but it's yeah. still not enough, right? I mean, if yeah. you look at our total ecosystem, we have like, what, about eight or nine people that we like consistently are part of our team, including our four yeah. full-time staff, but that's still not enough. And, you know, to really progress the skills. And I think you're right when you say the confidence too. And it reminds me of, you know, so, so like one reason someone will go to external help is like when you're stuck. Another is because you want to up level, you want to learn. And in both those cases, I think that it would be so arrogant and it's, it probably has been arrogant of me and other business owners to think that I know it all and that I can do it all without an external benefit. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think I've told you this metaphor, one of my kids is a musician who says, you know, that one of the reasons he records often is that he wants to hear the sound of his music when it's recorded because it sounds different in his head. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's true for our businesses. Like my business looks really different mm-hmm. from the outside looking in than it does to be in my business or our business, mm-hmm. you know. It's also, it strikes me that it's a, it's a really smart logistical way of getting more people in your business without hiring another person if you can up level the people that you already have then you don't need to hire another spot which is so brilliant yes it's like how to have a larger business without paying for a larger business right because you get your it's like it's like you're having a contractor i mean i think of how we serve clients and the relationships we have whether they've come to us for custom consulting or they've come to us with you know, somebody who's enrolling in the leading people program or one of our, of our core programs there, that's an advisory role that is, that we're in, that is ongoing and iterative, but we don't have to pay, you know, they don't have to pay for us to be full-time staff. They can really use us as in an adjunct way. And that's one of the maybe third reasons why I think it it can be so powerful to bring in an external consultant coach or resource is that you can get the benefit of expertise without having to just add staff. And also when somebody joins your company, they lose their outsider perspective over time. 
That's the other piece that I'm constantly struck with. You know, I can say and do things in other people's organizations because I don't work there. Totally. And when I was an internal, I had to hire externals because they had a different level of influence and perspective than mm-hmm. what I what I brought. Yeah. I've seen you do that. I think it's great. I've also heard it said like, oh, thank God you're here because now you can say that thing (laughs) (laughs) that we've been trying to say and now you can say it for us. Mo, have you ever been hired into a system that wasn't ready for you? And how did you know that they weren't ready? And what happened? (laughs) Do we have to talk about that trauma? (laughs) (laughs) Is it their trauma or your trauma? (laughs) Fine. We'll talk about my trauma is the only trauma I'm concerned about. No. Yeah, I have been brought into systems that weren't ready for me or for us and for what we offered. And, you know, in hindsight, like in the rearview mirror, I blame that often on um, scarcity from my own business's perspective, um, which is like me, me or us saying yes to work that wasn't in our lane or wasn't right for us. Um, and so, like, for me, it's really true that not every external help you seek is the right help. You know, and and how I've usually known as the person who's called in sometimes to provide that work is that very, very quickly, it's evident that we're mismatched. Either it's they're not ready or they're not actually open. (laughs) They don't want external help, really, or they're just not ready. They can't focus on the thing that I'm that I'm ready to help them do. So, you know, a good example is we've we've I love working with startups and small companies, but there's a certain stage at which bringing in the kinds of work that we do, leadership development and culture development, let's say, is premature, you know, and if you come in too early, if if a, if an organization is just in their money raising phase or they don't have the capital and they're really trying just to sell enough product or services to keep the doors open, it is going to be potentially quite hard for them to focus on leader development. Now, they hopefully have been thinking about culture, have created some values and, you know, you can do some patching sort of work, but that kind of organization in survival mode is going to do better and perhaps be more open to that consulting when they have a little bit more guarantee of survival for a little while. You know, um, so I think that's one example of where maybe the timing wasn't right. The other thing I've seen, though, that has happened in the past is we've been called into systems that have had consultant trauma, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they've worked with someone that caused harm in the system. And I think there are times when that can be recovered through establishing the kinds of trusting relationship that we like to establish. That's why our values are so important and we want clients to really know who we are to see if it's the right fit. But every now and then, if they're too guarded, if they're too protected because they had a consultant do harm in the past, then it may be that that we can't rise, you know, into into partnership because it is a relationship. How does the system recover from consultant trauma? Mo's not talking, everybody. Just thinking. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it's the way that we, I get, here's what showed up when you said that. I was thinking, do we recover or do we learn to heal and move forward in an open-hearted way? I'm not sure that, you know, trauma doesn't necessarily leave us. And if a system has incurred trauma with a consultant and trust got violated or something, um, then I think it's it's going to be hard for them to trust again, but I know they can. And then it's going to be important that that relationship be um, successful, built, you know, built on a like relayering of trust with external support. And, you know, I'm not saying that consultants come in and do things that are immoral character, but there, but sometimes there is trauma around 
somebody who didn't diagnose appropriately or was really prescriptive and gave gave a solution that couldn't have worked in that system and then mm -hmm. people feel set up you know to fail or they've promised something that was maybe out of scope and then and then people feel delivered disappointed mm -hmm. that's an interesting that was like cycles back into my other question of how we're moving away from custom consulting actually as a firm but we're moving into like the leading people program and seeing these leaders and one of the things that makes my my stomach feel a little nauseous is when there's one leader from one system in a training and they say, okay, I'm here to change it all. Mm. I'm going to go back into my system and be so helpful. <laughs> you right. know, and they can have all the skills in the world. They can come to every single session. They can be like an A++ student. And it makes me want to throw up because I'm nervous for them yeah. um, that that isn't enough to change the system. And you yeah. and I have had conversations around that systems change when they go through a great deal of pain. So can, can you like untangle that web of, it's one thing to send a leader into a training to be like, go ahead, go help us, right? Like go find the thing, the magic dust, and then yeah. bring it back and we'll change the bits. And right. that doesn't actually work or does it? Does no. that count as outside help? <laughs> and then like, what is the, can that incur trauma to a system when you've like sent someone so hopeful out there into the world and then they come back and they're like, actually, I right. brought chocolate and you guys like macaroni and cheese, you know, like. Right, right. They're horrible. It's a setup. Well, yeah. And so here's how I would frame that up. I think that help in, and we're, we're categorizing help in a very broad way. Extra mm -hmm. help can be pair of hands consulting. It can be process facilitation. Um, it can be coaching. It can be training. It can be peer group coaching. It can be a lot of different things. It can be expert mm -hmm. advice. Um, and help can come, I like to think of it as help can come in three main levels to the individual, to a group or team within the system, and to the system overall. Right. So individual help could be one on one coaching, could be somebody coming to our leading people program, for example, and having a three month transformative experience about their practice. Could be somebody who pursues executive coaching one on one or speaking coaching for themselves, let's say. Team or group intervention is going to be somebody who gets external help to design or facilitate a team retreat, build a healthier, more cohesive team in an event orientation or something like that. And then systemic change is going to be somebody who's perhaps investing in more transformative ways for the system, such as strategy planning, recreation of mission, vision, and values, uh, working with the senior most team about how do they roll and how does that manifest the culture or, or design or mergers and acquisition or culture assessment. Those are all like systemic level interventions. So one answer to your question is I think that we, we recognize that help can come in a variety of places and let's not mix them up. Let's not say, John Smith, you're coming to the LPP, now go back and change the system. Let's recognize that John Smith coming from system A into the LPP is coming to work on his leadership practice. And that that changes at an individual level for him to become a more effective people leader in his space. And we don't have an expectation, nor should his system, that he's now going to come back as if he's been on a hero's journey and mm -hmm. impart the wisdom to everybody else in their company, because that would be setting him and them up, you mm -hmm. know. So don't expect individual level of help or intervention to impact the system. 
um, which is part of why we're designing for next year in 2023, we're going to have three different points of entry for our group programs that intervene so that you can come for individual uh, support through the leading paper program. You can come as a CEO or C-suite leader for a year long systemic level of intervention, or you can come as a team for support for how to get your team to be higher performing, higher trust, more coaching. And they're at three different price points so that there's not confusion about which one you're doing. And you might do all at the same time in one system, but maybe, um, maybe not every system does them all at the same time. And that's like, that was such a good answer, first of all. Second of all, so, I mean, what I what I got from that too is to have realistic expectations for what you're sending uh, the help out for, you know, yeah. like what flag you're waving on the like sinking ship or what it, maybe it's not even sinking. One example or one thought that I'm having is like, you don't ask somebody to come in. We use Notion, for example. And like, you wouldn't ask somebody that works on Entreport to come and help with Notion. You right. have to know what you're asking for, yeah. Um, which totally. you can't just like ask for any outside help. Yeah, <laughs> like there's right. a little bit of legwork required to find the actual help that you need that's going to be the most helpful. Yes, and and it's also a journey, isn't it? It's like like a journey more than a destination. And I'm thinking about, for example, some of the help that we've gotten has been in our marketing systems and in our storytelling capacity, mm-hmm. as we've gotten better as a as a company at telling the story of how we roll and what we do. And I remember one of the early partners that we brought in um, was a copy editor, Melissa Casera, who is brilliant. And I loved working with her. And she really helped me get a sense of being braver around how I talk about myself in our marketing copy, you know, bringing myself into the brand. And you were coaching me on the inside as our director of brand, like to, to do that, but it was a place of deep learning for me. In hindsight, when I think back on our leveraging of Melissa's skills, we were able to use probably about 50% of what she had to offer. The rest of it, either we weren't ready to use, we already had evolved, or we've used since, but she's no longer working with us for now, you know? Um, and so I think it's it's important to remember that outside help, just like inside help, it can be one step forward. It doesn't always have to be a hundred step forward. So, you know, Melissa broke through, gave me in particular some support for our writing tool set at a time when I needed it, but it didn't stop there. She didn't give us everything we needed about all of our marketing message messaging. Um, she gave us a piece, got the flywheel going, and then we did some work ourselves and we brought in other experts since then. And we'll probably go back to Melissa at some point for, you know, her specific expertise. So I think it's, you're right. I think being realistic about what help do we need? And then also being aware that it isn't likely going to be one swipe, mm-hmm. like this external person's come in. And I think, you know, and fix it. And I think sometimes we tell ourselves that that's the story. Like I remember how excited I was to tell you all our team about bringing in Melissa. And I was, I think I really thought that she would be able to do a lot more than what she did. Because <laughs> I, you know, I wanted her for a five-year engagement, you know, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars probably. I wanted her to give me all that for $2,000. <laughs> which is what I think people want of consultants, you know? And she yeah. was very wisely able to say, no, I can't do that for you, but here's what I can do for you. And and yeah. what she did was awesome, but um, not the end. I think that's also a very wise, my question was going to be like how to choose outside help. Um, but I think you might've just answered it, that the out, wisest outside help that you can possibly get is one that understands what you're asking for. And then either says, yes, that's me or no, that's not me. Right. Um, 
yes yeah. that it has the has the capacity to say to say no and yeah. and i i think i've been thinking a lot about this idea of outside help may because of what i'm seeing with so many of our client systems in every sector you know who are looking at their workplace whether it's healthcare saying man the whole model's broken or it's education who's saying boy we've really got to rethink you know how we're what's our service delivery system and how are children getting social and emotional learning and like radical redesign of their systems and businesses small businesses in particular small to medium-sized businesses who are saying man to get and keep the talent we need we have to do some things differently i think mm -hmm. about those systems right now and how vulnerable it must feel to know that you need help Mm -hmm. and to not necessarily know what kind of help you need, you know. Um, and so I think in that situation, what I would say to those businesses is start anywhere with someone you trust or that you can build trust and, and co-create a strategy to begin getting some help. Um, because I mm -hmm. feel like that's going to take you to the next the next help that you may need. But I think oftentimes we like refrain from getting help because we're not sure of the help we need. And so then we don't have any help. And so then our business suffers even more. Yeah. I mean, it is very daunting to look for help, right? It's like, what yeah. do you put into Google? Right. Everyone's drowning. Please help us. Right. <laughs> and then you just right. hope the consultant, you know, like be bop, boop, boop, blip, blip. And then you just are supposed to know the words for the consulting you're looking for or the training or whatever, or even the difference between group training and coaching. And it's, I find sometimes when we talk to like potential clients of our own, that they're trying to suss that out through the conversation that they're having with us. Mm -hmm. And that conversation is very interesting because there is a large difference between putting one of your employees through a cohort learning model and a coaching model yeah. um, with one-on-one -on -one coaching. And so like, this is my millennial brain, but in undergrad, we were not offered the option of having a coach in our job that like we did not talk about that as a very luxurious thing. So I think if you could just like, just talk a little bit about why hire a coach, who gets a coach and what kind of help then comes after having a coach, hmm. because do you just have a coach and then you're fixed and everything's cool? <laughs> if only. Yeah. I think that it's a good question and and it's one we've, we've thought about a lot and I know I've thought about a lot as we've designed our programs to be peer supported coaching. Mm -hmm. um, and we also will do one-on-one -on -one coaching as you know, but one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching is really, I think very appropriate when someone, some human in a system is really needing a big step up that's specific to them. Like they need to, they've gotten promoted and it's time that they really develop the capacity, for example, to lead at a systemic level, system-wide level rather than an individual level. Or maybe somebody needs a coach because they're now doing a bunch of public speaking and they really need some help with their narrative you know capacity maybe someone is looking for a coach because they're in a career transition and they want like specific support and then of course there's a, a thousand reasons why someone might seek personal or life coaching in an area separate from life but they're having i mean separate from work like they're having a marital transition of some kind or they're dealing with a child who's got issues you know there's lots of reasons why we could benefit from an external support who's not a therapist who can help us find our way but the focus is on the individual that individual's goals and i think systems benefit from giving coaching offering coaching to those employees that they have identified as you know worthy of extra investment to up their game in some significant way or solve a problem that maybe they face that they didn't 
anticipate somebody who maybe misstepped in a DEI situation and needs to get some outside support to recover, you know, their partnership yeah. skills, something like that. I think that for group coaching or peer supported coaching, you get a lot of that. You get individual coaching from the expert, let's say who you're working with, but you also get the benefit of other people like you being in those sessions to offer feedback. And we, you know, we've always kind of believed in peer supported coaching way back, probably, I don't know when it was 15 years ago, Jim and I ran a, um, who was my husband who was in the business briefly. Um, but we ran a family help business peer group that went on for six months. And we, at that time we were trying to offer something we didn't see. Some of our clients were in Vistage, which is an mm -hmm. executive CEO peer group. And they were frustrated because they really want to work with other businesses like them, family or privately held, and they weren't finding the Vistage groups were doing that as much. And so we ran this cohort and it was really powerful. There were only, I think, five or six um, CEOs in it. And they got to really dig into the issues of being privately or family held and how did that impact their businesses? What do they want to do about that to you know grow and transform their businesses? Um, they also, in most cases, stayed with and were doing Vistage, which was good that that supported their their need. But we, you know, there's I'm a Vistage speaker, as you know, and there's a lot I love about Vistage. The peer supported dynamic of Vistage works really, really well. There's some things about Vistage that hasn't worked for some of our clients, which I don't need to mention here. But I think that that would be that kind of learning is what we're after when we look at peer supported coaching, coming together with people like you who can say gosh, I've tried this, or I see it this way, who's not the coach, it's also infinitely more scalable and cost effective. You know, mm -hmm. when you think, for example, of like, what I get as a member in a peer supported coaching group that I'm part of right now, I'm in an, a program called the incubator with Eleanor Beaton. And I get all the benefits of working with Eleanor. But I also get like 50 experts that I get to meet with up to twice yeah. a week to give me information. And then I'm connected with them on LinkedIn. And you know, it's a year long formal process, but it, it's going to be lifelong, some of those mm -hmm. relationships. And in our LPP program, for example, people get the benefit of me, my expertise, you and your talents, and then also they get the benefit of their peers to to contribute during their three month intensive, but also potentially for life, you know, as they make those relationships. So mm -hmm. there's really nothing like learning from people like you. Yeah. I, um, thanks for answering that mostly because I think it can be very muddy. I mean, I think that's what I'm trying to get at is like, it can mm -hmm. be very muddy to look for the very specific help that you're looking for, especially if you're new to looking for help, <laughs> like, like right. you're good at it because you know, the facets that you want to like get help and support for. Yeah. But I don't know, you know, and right. I think it can be very muddy to figure out what you're looking for specifically. Mm. And another piece that I'm running into um, in some of my peer groups is that they don't have the money to invest in the training that they need, right? Mm. They know they need it, but they don't know how to do that. Yeah. Um, so I want to give a shout out right now to like, if you are looking for that and you know that your company potentially will do it for you and pay for it for you, or you want to have that conversation. We have a letter on our website. That's a template that you can look over and see if that would help you get the work, get the help that you need or get the support that you need, because it can be hard to have that kind of conversation. Right. Of like, it goes, it goes back into this money thing for me that like sits very adjacent to that in my, in my tender soul of like, 
you're paying me. You give me a place to come every day. You're like kind to me. You help me learn. And also, oh yeah, could you pay for the very uncomfortable? But if there is a reason for it, that it's going to help the business. And if I can figure out how to articulate that um, in a meaningful way and pitch it to you, I can feel A, more confident and B, we can have more of a conversation around, if not now, when? Right. And if that's not the thing that the business is actually looking for, like, what are we looking for? Yeah. Uh, that conversation feels much more fruitful, especially as like a two-way street having yes. that conversation. Um, but I think the first step is knowing what you're looking for. <laughs> like, I feel like I need to be in a cohort. I feel like I need coaching. I feel like I need, you know, like we need a consultant in here because our system is wrecking on the river, you know, right. like right. what is it? Yeah. And so. even, yeah, absolutely. Knowing what you need is helpful, but here's what I would say in addition to that, or it's not, but it's an end to me as a, as a consultant and coach and in terms of our programs and what I've seen in some of the programs and co coaches that we have used ourselves as customers. One thing I really appreciate about the people who we end up hiring and also the people that end up hiring us is the integrity that we bring and that some of the people we've hired bring to helping us discern and mm -hmm. being willing to say, no, we're not right for you. Like mm -hmm. if you're, if the outside help you're trying to bring doesn't have any bottom line where they're willing to say, we're not right for you, then they're probably not going to be right for you because, mm -hmm. because every external support can't be all things to all people. So for me, what that's about, like if someone is coming to us and saying like, Mo, May, it sounds like you're doing some cool stuff. I think I need help. And, and then, but I don't know what kind of help at all. We don't need them to know what kind of help. What we need of them mm. is to tell us where they're hurting. Mm. Where is your system hurting? Where are the pain points? What is costing you extra time, money, or energy in your business or in your workplace? Um, and then with that, with the pain point or the frustration or the, the place where it's getting challenging for any of the people in the system or the outputs, we can then make a recommendation that's based on here's this, this thing that we offer might help you. And also we're always prepared to say, and actually we don't think we have the thing that helps you, but you could try so-and-so because mm -hmm. we think they really are doing what, and that, I think that's really important um, because in that kind of partnership, even at the inquiry stage, you can feel safe that you're not going to fall into some of those things we opened with, which is like why people might be afraid of getting help. You know, mm -hmm. if the consultant's just backing the bus up to the door and they're going to take all the money that you have, you know, to, to not tell you anything. Well, that's, that's scary. You feel really vulnerable. So you want a partner, an external support that's going to be willing to say, I hear you. This is what I hear you're hurting with or suffering in your system. And here's what we think we can do or not. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, in design school, we, often would like make these, we, you had to make a website, you know, for yourself. And at the bottom, you would have a little bits about which companies you've worked for. And it was very cool if you had some very large companies on there, you know, and a friend of mine who is a, is a genius, his name is Skyler. He put in all of the, all of the companies he hadn't worked for <laughs> and no one could really tell unless you read the copy, but it made me think, it was so brilliant because it, it was like half him being witty and half of him being like, but someday I will, you know, like I'm not shutting any of those doors, but it makes me think about, wouldn't it be interesting to think about the companies that you've had integrity for and said like, no, we don't have that for you. Um, because it's interesting to think about how you prove that you have that integrity 
when you actually have said no to that work. Um, yeah. So as an outside person, you know, looking for help and how to find the place that has integrity, mm. you might be able to feel it out. Yeah. But it, do you think there's a question, Mo, that you have heard or have looked for that would cue you in on the integrity of that place? Besides them saying like, no, that's not right for you. Because they, yeah. they might have it, you know. They're like, might. How do you it find might. the integrity of that place? Well, I think a lot of it is going to be about values integration, values mm-hmm. matching, you know, and, and we try that you and, notice of their company to yours. Yes. Yes. That, those values that you're talking about, company mm-hmm. to company. Okay. Company to company. Yeah. Company to company are, you know, is what I see about them and what I know about them in sync with how I roll. Mm-hmm. No, if I'm looking to hire someone, do I, do I like their public persona? Have I gotten on their website and do I appreciate the things that they're standing for? You know, because at that, that's like at the very highest level, that's one of the ways you're going to find that there's a match. And, you know, I'll give you an example. And this has happened to us before. Like if somebody is looking for, call it leadership development or cultural development, and they find momentum. If what they're looking for is a company that has 50 consultants that they can bring for a large scale intervention of a big comprehensive program for 100,000 employees, and they're all wearing suits, and they're <laughs> very traditional with, and they want a lot of very organized metrics and analytics, they're going to go to my website, our website, and they're going to be like, um, no, thank you. If you aren't picking it up, Mo and I don't wear suits. That's like <laughs> that's one of right. the major dividers here. We don't Although we do like to look snappy, but yeah. not necessarily. We have style. We, we have style. Right. Of course, nobody really wears suits anymore. But my point <laughs> is, like, I think, you know, you your brand, whether you're a small company or a large company, should reflect who you are. And we're looking for a match there. And so you can look at that organization and try to assess. I think the other piece, May, that I would say, and this has been a strategy that's worked well for us, both as consultants and coaches, but also as customers, is to start out with a small engagement. You know, I love it when companies will come to us and say, hey, we'd love to put one or two folks through your core program, or they say, we'd love to have hire you for this one event. There's bigger work potentially available, but let's see how this goes. Because that gives us a way to assess mutual fit and design the kind of intervention we usually want, which is over a longer term period. We're not big on one and done. And the same is true for me. Like I'm thinking about one of the coaches that I use and how I I bought one of their small cost programs. Maybe it was, you know, a, a, a moderate investment for me. And I loved it and I felt really seen in that program, which was like a six week intensive. And then I felt a lot more ready to invest in a bigger scale program for for our company. Uh, So that, you know, don't be afraid to like scale your partnership with outside help in a way that gives you a chance to assess mutuality, assess fit. This is someone you're letting in to your business or your organization. You're letting them have the keys to the kingdom potentially, depending on what it is they're bringing with their area of expertise. Um, and you want to feel high trust and confidence that they can help you. And so it's okay to have it a little bit of a, a test. And that's pretty much always worked out well for us in both directions, either to say, wow, it doesn't feel like it's right. Or usually it's, yes, this does feel right. Let's keep going into the bigger or deeper work. This has been a tool heavy hour, um, which is not <laughs> usual for us, but I think uh, I feel good about this conversation because these questions come up and then it's not, there's not a cut and dry answer, Yeah, you know, which I feel good about answering some of these questions because it's like, there is actually answers about this. Well, there yes. is a strategy. There is a strategy. And also may, 
here's the other thing I want to say. There's no too small to get outside help. Like one of the things that people say all the time to me is like they'll call or they'll email and they'll be like, oh, what you're, looking, what you're doing looks so great, but you probably don't work with people as tiny as us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean tiny? Like tiny, insignificant, tiny, small? Is it your annual revenue you're worried about? And I, I think there's a discounting about like, am I a real company? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I'm a, if I have five employees or I have 35 employees or I have a hundred employees, that those are perfect clients for us, you know, mm-hmm. before the company has really become massive and hard to change. And, and so I think I would say to anyone out there who's looking thinking that they've got this business and maybe it's just them maybe they're a solopreneur still but they have a vision of scaling it go ahead and get some help now you are not too small and if you want to get bigger some external help might give you a really scalable way to do that um Mm -hmm. and don't discount that you are or aren't you know enough to merit getting outside help because again i think it's a for us anyway it has proven to be a really important way to grow our business with the benefit of lots of different experts and process facilitators and coaches without having to hire that talent in-house even though we too are a small business you know mm-hmm. so you're not you don't, don't don't evaluate and knock yourself out of being um someone who can who can benefit from external support people say the same oh, thing about coaching yeah. like I know I need some help, but I'm, it's not that serious enough to hire a coach. It's like, (laughs) it could be actually that, that like just means that, yes, it is. Um, in my mind, (laughs) like you have something to talk about, but there's, I, as a gift, I bought Sam, uh, my partner, some coaching for his like new business, his new silversmithing business. And it was a 90 minute conversation. And it was like, he put rocket boosters on his rocket. It was amazing. Yeah. And like they might not have another conversation for a little while, but that was so helpful. Yes. And, totally. Yeah, I think it can be daunting to not know what questions you have yet, you know, but I love your advice. Of like, just get in there, let them see, let them see. Absolutely. So then you know what questions you have. Yes. I remember years ago, a couple of years ago now, I, I met in my mastermind, I met Brenda Lomelli, who is a Latina woman who's running she has an awesome podcast called the last 10 pounds she's got she has an amazing name herself is incredible yeah she's amazing and she really um she she is all about helping women come to terms with their body image and you know take those last pounds off if they want and when i first heard the name of her podcast and what she was doing i was like oh man it's another diet you know, program. And as I got to know Brenda and really love what she was doing, I started thinking, man, maybe this would be helpful for the mindset work I'm doing around health and wellness and body image at, at the age of 60, you know? So I decided to do her program and it was really transformative. And I think that, you know, that experience, which was not a huge cost point of entry, it wasn't, it also wasn't a specific transformation to my business but it was a helpful investment in myself as a ceo to be more grounded to feel healthier and more confident about how i show up in the world um through that one small program so yeah there's a lot you know a 90 minute session can really make a difference as sam experienced or you know a six-week program like brenda's awesome program i love that well it, it makes me think about the seven things you need from work a lot this is you've never heard me say this so i'm just gonna say this out. <laughs> is that someday work can be fun. Like we're allowed to learn stuff at work. We're allowed to enjoy going to work. 
And part of that is being curious about what might happen next or what what we have we don't know about our own business yet or our own role. And I think sometimes that curiosity and play gets forgotten in work. Mm. You know, it's like this just has to be hard. We're just doing this role. Oh, maybe when I retire, I'll do that fun thing. Or I don't have time yet, which is another thing that like you being a mastermind is not also investment of money. It's investment of time. Right. right. So why not have it be something that's also fruitful for your own mind? Yes. It's not just like useful. (laughs) Right. Right. Fun. Well, not everything that helps is is always like useful. I think that's a good point. Like it can be transformative, (laughs) you know, in a different way, which is something else that I will say. And I know we've got to wrap up, but I I was thinking about um, this question, right? Why would anyone go get outside help? So we've, I think we've answered like a variety of reasons why, why businesses and organizations in every sector and the people in them could benefit from outside help. But here's the caveat. And this is one I've also learned through the School of Hard Knocks, and I've seen it as a service provider. Be ready to do the work. You know what I mean? Be ready to do the work. When you hire an external, this is what I would say to the business owners and organizations out there right now who are trying to transform their systems and might be looking to companies like us to help them. Yes, we're in. We want to help you. And you got to be ready to do the work. And I have hired outside help when I wasn't ready to do the work and it was a waste of money mm-hmm. and time and, and resources time. because that yeah. consultant who had lots of good stuff, I can think of a couple of examples to offer us. We were not able to tap into them. I was unable to leverage their expertise. The time marched by and we sort of missed the window. And we've seen that in our own programs where someone will be signed up for a program and then they won't attend. They won't engage. They won't come to coaching sessions with ideas of what they want to work on. They'll lurk in a group program on the outside without looking in. And to me, that's a risk if you are hiring external help. Um, And I've noticed in myself as a business owner and CEO, I'm trying to be very conscious with all everyone on my team to say, if we're going to invest in outside help, let's leverage it. Let's show up to the sessions. Let's do the work they tell us to do. Let's have that transformation happen inside of us because it's a fantasy that just hiring the help is going to fix everything. They can't possibly do that from the outside. Mm -hmm. Great point. One of my biggest inspirations of that is uh, when I was at art school, I was still kind of too cool for school, even though it was my second round at college. Um, And there was this girl, the woman sitting behind me, a couple rows, and she just like would not put her hand down. She asked questions every time the professor stopped talking and she <laughs> drove me batty. Her name is Stephanie and she ended up being one of my best friends. She's amazing. But mm-hmm. I learned more because Stephanie was there because she was brave enough to ask those questions. And I treasured her like weeks after that. But before that, I wanted to please ask her to leave because she was messing up our persona of knowing everything. Like we were all trying to just say we knew everything, you know, and Stephanie was like, right. I don't know anything. That's why I'm at school, right? Like <laughs> I need to answer all these questions. So I try yes. hard to think about that, like be a Stephanie, like show up and just ask as many questions as you can, get what you need from what you're getting. You know? Yes, which it's, we hard. Were ta- it's really hard. And we were talking to, Tra- I was talking to Trevor Reagan earlier, who's mm-hmm. a specialist in learning, who was really reinforcing that basic idea, right? Which is that if, if you're, if you're going to hire external help for your company or yourself, you are hurting somewhere and you want to learn something that you can't learn on your own. So come ready to do the work, which means you're going to be in that 
uncertainty that Stephanie stepped into, right, of like raising her hand every two seconds. So yay for Stephanie, right? And that's what we want in our programs. We want people to come with all hard stuff because then we know they're in the work. Well, Mo, this is a good one. This was fun. Super good to talk about. Thank you, May. Have a good day. Thanks. Bye. Hey there. Are you listening to this podcast as a business leader or owner and finding yourself feeling anxious at night or in the early mornings about the up and down economic news of a pending recession? I feel you. I sometimes am there myself as a CEO and business owner. But here's what I know to be true. Now is actually not the time to lose your best people. There's never a more important time than facing tough economic news to build a sturdy culture with the awesome talent that you really need. I'm offering a micro course that I think really might help you. It's a $99 spend. The course starts August 25th and you'll be able to find enrollment next week on our webpage as well as on our podcast page. And I highly recommend you get yourself in it. Now is a really good time to fortify for any potential storms ahead by building the culture and keeping the amazing people that you need in your organization. I'll see you there.